Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm here with Pastor Troy. Yeah. And also here with Josh Humphreys. Hey there. And we're going to talk Bible today. So if you're ready, let's strap in. Troy, what are we going to be talking about? Oh my goodness. We read through, uh, we were reading through Joshua. We didn't finish it, but we got through Joshua chapter 11 uh, through 24 and Psalm 44, 45, 46, and into 47. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1 through verse 14, and Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25 through 1335. So some really we had interesting reading, some really amazing devotional thoughts, and also uh, we um, had some good questions. So it's going right. to be a great podcast today. Yes, Woo. it is. I'm pumped. Let's get into it. Here we are. We're going to talk about what we read this week in the Bible. Yes. And uh, I'm really excited. And to be to be totally straight up, I'm thinking back to last year, and I think I talked about this same section last year, but it hit me again. So yeah. I'm talking about it again. That happens to me actually quite a bit. And I've actually I've looked in sometimes four years in a row. I have actually, and the crazy part is I'll be reading and thinking. I don't think I did this last year. I don't think I've ever done this before. Right. And I'll write down, and I go back and oh, I did it three of the previous or three years in a row, <laughs> and now four years in a row. Clearly but, stuck with me. Yeah, but exactly. Which makes you think that God. Uh, and another thing that I would do sometimes is I would. There's like a rule of three. If I had read something and then would see it in other places, mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. two two other times, because uh-huh. yeah. it's really it really gets you when you've read something in the Bible and then you see it on a billboard mm-hmm. and then somebody either's mm-hmm. talking to you and say, hey, have you ever read this verse? Or you hear it on the radio or whatever, and you're like, yeah. God's trying to get through yeah. me that way. That happens it's when like, I'm reading the Gospels, and it's like the same story that I, <clears throat> it always sticks out to me, and then it sticks out to me again and again and again as I read through the other Gospels, and I'm like, wow, this is just so good. Yeah, that part of that could be because all four of the Gospels tell the same That's what I'm saying, story. Daniel. Ah, they all yeah, stick they out do. to me. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, <laughs> well three, are, three are synoptic, and one is John. <laughs> one is John. John. The uh, John. the other thing is when you're reading in the Old Testament and the New Testament and they line up. Yeah, yeah they're those are cool. the same thing. That's cool really those yeah. are cool moments. Yeah. So all right. See how cool it is to read the Bible. It's just <laughs> an amazing thing. And and so uh, we that's why we you know we, we encourage you read it and then meditate upon it. Mm-hmm. What is it saying? Yeah. And paying attention to it. So just glossing over it. So Daniel found some amazing insights from his reading oh, no. this week. Yes, High pressure. Here it is. All right. Well, it's the same as last year for me, but um, in Joshua 14, 12, um, basically the chapter starts with it saying, hey, and really this week's reading started with it saying, Joshua's getting old. Joshua's an old guy, and his friend Caleb is also an old guy. They grew up together and did all kinds of cool things together. Caleb's 85 years old by the time that chapter 14 rolls around, and he wants to go take this land. Um, for for himself, from these people that God's told him to drive out, and nobody wants to do it with him. And he says, you know, I'm just going to do it. I'm just yeah. going to do it myself and see. Maybe God will be with me. Maybe not. But I guess we'll see. And a cool perspective on that. He's half the age of Moses. Half the age of Moses because Moses yeah. was 120 when he died. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, Moses was 80 when he started. Moses was 80 when Caleb was 40. So, anyway. Crazy. Creation's dying younger. So, he's not half the age of Moses. He I mean, was half the age of Moses when they got started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That changes Moses is dead. He's 40 years younger than <laughs> Moses. Yeah. So, he's 85 now. Right. And um, that's and I just think it was cool. He was 85 years old when he made one of the biggest and boldest acts of faith in his entire life. Because we, we've got a lot of his exploits kind of documented here in the book. And um, he does some cool stuff. I love the, the person of Caleb. But he goes and he takes on the this, like, army of people and like basically by himself i think there might have been one other person with him and he goes and he takes it and um we have this kind of 
paradigm. I was talking to the college students that I teach on Sunday nights, and I was talking to them about how one of them last night after the teaching was over about how like this time in their life is kind of we have this paradigm of the college age kind of being the age where you have the most energy and um, I don't know like zeal for things of things of God, and you have a lot of time dedicated just to that and to spending with other people of equal energy to you. But here we have Caleb, and uh, and I think it's it's interesting that we have this paradigm today where we think the most zeal for the Lord mm-hmm. occurs when we're younger and fades to kind of a quiet wisdom as we age. Right. Um, but, I mean, if you look at most of the heroes of the faith, most of the big stuff was later in their life. Mm. As they got older, as they became um, more like a life spent with the Lord, doing the things of the Lord, getting to know him better, they became more zealous Mm -hmm. for the faith, not less. They didn't get quieter. They got bigger and more bold. So, um, and I've, and I'm, and, and in myself, cause I like, I, I was passionate. I had a lot of time in college. Obviously I was in, I was going to college for ministry. I have a theology degree, but, but I think base like bit for the amount of effort and time and age wise, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm noticing myself getting more zealous as I get older. And, and I just want to encourage like senior saints in the church, man, like this is, this could be your time. Like whatever God's done in your life previously, whatever cultural Christianity thing that you may have yourself surrounded with, if you're a senior saint, consider this like your time to jump in the most, get most involved in ministry and with the Lord. Um, don't let yourself fade off into some kind of quiet spiritual obscurity. Um, but I, I think I just love the idea of Caleb being 85 years old. 85 back then was like 85 today. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like they were living super long back mm-hmm. then. He was old, and and if you're a senior saint, man, like you're not done. God is God is ready to use you better, more than He's ever used you in the past. So um, just coming from a 30 year old. I would love to see. I love to see that. Um, and and as much as I love spending time with the zealous young college students um, and young Christians, you know, like if you're older, like that's you. You have you've got some. You've got the wisdom and possibly the most zeal of anybody. And that's something that as a college student, like we want to see. I mean, that encourages us to see. Wow, like look, we don't just you know, get older and be quiet. Like we get older and we still follow God to this day. That's something that we love seeing. We want to be under those people for discipleship. We want to see what you're doing in your life. Um, We just want to see you love God just as much as you want to see us love God. You know, like that's something that, I mean, that's what the church was made for, was for this continuing waterfall of discipleship and encouragement and unity. Um, And that's something that the... There's a few people here at this church I can think of who are what you're yeah. describing. And yeah. I'm like, man, I love them. They're so fun to be around, right. you know? And like I'm thinking of like Pam Sparks. That's exactly right. what I was thinking of. <laughs> like, there's, yeah. this, there's this lady at our church. Probably shouldn't have used her name on a public podcast. But uh, she, <laughs> she I, I can't imagine her any different. Mm-hmm. She's just she's just in it. And people like, you know, people like that are really encouraging to yeah. me, being a younger man in the faith, um, growing in my zeal. Mm-hmm. Um, just would love to see it. So yeah. um, there's something to throw in there and coming from the senior of the group. the um, <laughs> Troy's like barely the, 50. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the thing that uh, you realize, though, about Caleb and is true, uh, it's, and, and it's not just being 30, looking to an 80-year-old person and saying, you should get in the game. It's understanding this. If you're not making the right decisions when you're 30, mm-hmm. when yeah. you get 80, you're not going to be able to get it. Right. Yeah. It's not going to be. It's not going to happen. It, it, Caleb made the right decisions mm-hmm. or when he was 40, uh, which gave him the the ability to do what he did when he was 85. Yeah. Uh, and same thing with Joshua. You know, these are these are people that made uh, the right decisions. Moses uh, is Moses is the amazing anomaly, and and he is the anomaly because he was 80 when God called him out of the wilderness. And uh, made a bad decision when he was forty. <laughs> Wandered for forty years, and then gets called out of that. And God, that that's not a normal uh, dynamic there. But uh, right. but yeah, absolutely. The if I could speak backwards, it is about uh, you know I, there was a wake up call for me when I was in my forties, and I think that is a pivotal time. Uh, they don't call it a midlife crisis for nothing, uh, but the is that's a pivotal time to recognize if I make bad decisions at this point, there's no recovery time, mm-hmm. and so I need to be making good decisions about my health, uh, what I eat, uh, how much I exercise, how active I stay, and so forth to keep myself 
uh, you know, prepared for the long haul here. You can you can bounce back. You can make some bad decisions in your 20s and bounce back in your 30s and so forth. But you make bad decisions in your 40s and 50s. Mm. Uh, you don't normally. Uh, your 60s and 70s are not going right. to be a, a prime time for you. So. It kind of reminded me of the the prophet Daniel, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's you know you come into the story and he's like a teenager mm-hmm. and he makes some good decisions then. But and then that, his like relationship with God just kind of carries him, and suddenly at the end of the story, at the end of the book, he's elderly, but doing some of yeah. his best best work. Yeah. Um, yeah, Caleb is a hero of mine. I just yeah. I just love the fact that he he didn't just go like you said. He didn't say give me the easy piece of land. He said give me the mountain the hard one. filled with giants. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the hardest area to conquer, and I'm taking that. And he was the guy who wasn't afraid at the beginning when they were going to the promised mm-hmm. land. He was the one who said, we got this. We can take this. At 40, he was ready to take it. And then God kept his, kept him with his strength. And that, I think that's the, the main thing is that he maintained his faithfulness to God and God blessed him in that. I see I see a lot of guys like um, you know Andy Stanley, and I don't care what you think about Andy Stanley's theology or whatever, but, but he is as youthful a man in his 60s mm-hmm. as anybody that I know and is able to connect with people. And, uh, and you think there's no way he could be at that age because you'll take him in his 60s and, and take somebody else you know we used to uh, I, I can't I'm trying to think of the guy's name who uh, was in a movie called The Thing anyway Tom Cruise was the other guy uh, Wilford Brimley uh, Wilford Brimley was in a movie called The Thing and it was like he was the same age that Tom Cruise was in Mission Impossible and it was like huh. one guy has played an old guy <laughs> and then you got Tom Cruise playing not an old guy (laughs) and it's like get there they were the exact same age Mm. and so it's so amazing how uh it is but those were just those are just life choices life decisions and and so if you if you make a decision that i want to maximize my usefulness for the lord uh it is a it's a lifestyle decision Mm -hmm. it's a i'm not going to sit at home every day but i'm going to discipline myself and and stay healthy and uh, drink high energy drinks and, That's right. uh, and <laughs> every day for the rest of my life. So. Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Josh? Yeah. So as you guys know, Luke is one of my favorite books in the Bible. Um, and so both of my points today come out of Luke. I just love it. And my questions today come out of Luke because there are things that I don't understand in it. So Sweet. anyway, but my today um, is Luke 10, 38 through 42. And this is what it says. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And I just, I find myself in Martha's position so often where I'm just so distracted that I'm missing the point. And this is, this is it. Martha missed the point. She missed what God um, was doing. She missed something really good because she was distracted um, by, by things. Uh, Mm. And I think this is important for us to remember um, in ministry and in life uh, and evangelizing as we're discipling people, as we're bringing people to the Lord, is that the goal of our life and the goal of ministry is the presence of God. We want to be with God. We want to hear from God. We want to see God. We want to feel God. It's the whole point of it is the presence of him. And I and like I said, I often miss that just like Martha because I get caught up and anxious and troubled about many things about curriculum or about, um, I don't know, what are, what are we feeding our students this Wednesday? Or what are we going to do with them after they are done with the lesson? I, I get caught up in these things. Or what are we going to do this summer? How is this going to look? And all this kind of stuff. And I get caught up in it. And I forget that my job is to be pushing these kids towards the presence of God, letting them see who he is and know him. And and I'm like Martha a lot. I just miss the point. And I'm not like Mary who's sitting at, at Jesus' feet just listening to him. And that really stuck out to me this week is – we're going through a lot in the youth group. We just have a lot of activities and just mm. all this stuff, and you know, and, and which not is good. That that's which is good, yeah. It, and it's not saying that um, Martha serving is bad. You know, Martha right. is serving. That is a good thing. But we can get distracted by good things and miss the greatest thing, which miss is God. the moment. Yeah. yeah, and and that's such a such a cool thing and, and a nice um, reminder for me to like a redirection of just saying, hey, this is about God, Josh. This isn't about you know, 
all yeah. this all this really good stuff, you know. And yeah. I think that was important for me this week reading. My wife has really modeled that for us over the years, and she's just been so good at um, – she was so good when our children were growing up to recognize when there were moments you didn't want to miss. Mm-hmm. And um, and she had – you know, and I, and I grew up in a home where, uh, you know, it was like make sure everything's clean and dishes washed and beds yeah. made, and, and, and there were just certain things that had to be done every day and so forth. And it wasn't anything that there was anything wrong with that. And I'm not saying my wife is not somebody who doesn't clean house or anything like that. I'm implying that at all. But she, but she did recognize a moment when it's like, you know what, I, I'm going to take this moment and spend it with the kids right. and engage them, and then I'll do this later. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, and 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 that, what that's a very, a very novel trait. Right. Uh, it's a very merry trait in, in, in that story. And I think that's mm-hmm. what Jesus was saying. He's like, the, these relationships are what are more important. These other things, you'll have time to do those later. Right. You know? Well, and look what it did to Mary. She's anxious and troubled about it. Like, it's just like, this is causing to you. Martha, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, to Martha. Yeah. Like, she, it's causing her much more trouble than just yeah. Stress, sitting. worry, anxiety. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, this service is good, but look what yeah. you're really worried about like yeah. just come well it becomes rest. idolatrous yeah and, 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 right and, yeah. exactly yeah Ooh. when that <laughs> when that anxiety crazy. comes up i always yeah. tell people it's like a little light on your dashboard saying mm-hmm. you know something's something's yeah. not right so that's really yeah. good. good word yeah i like that very good i also am in luke chapter 10 i'm going backwards mm-hmm. and and instead of highlighting the whole story of the good samaritan i just i just keyed in on one verse uh, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And there's so much in that uh, story, but uh, but it was the uh, and the things that we've got, I've, you know the story of the Good Samaritan. Obviously, there were two religious people that passed this guy by who was beaten up and so forth. And Jesus draws attention to the fact that somebody who was really his ethnic enemy mm-hmm. uh, stopped to help him and just to highlight that this is how because the guy was asking how do I know who my neighbor is and Jesus was answering the question, uh, but. But it also highlights that this person takes a risk in having compassion. And I, it really struck me because I, I think that that's sometimes a factor that comes into my mind before I help someone is what are the risks involved mm. in me helping this person? And uh, and so because sometimes we're like, if the risk is too great, well, then I shouldn't help. I should not right. exhibit compassion. Just keep on moving uh, because uh, it, it, and that shouldn't be part of the calculation uh, because the reality is, is that there is always a risk when we help people, a risk of being rejected, a risk that something bad mm-hmm. could happen, a risk that they can misuse the whatever. But Jesus still helped anyway. And I mean, and you, I always think about when one of the things that Jesus always expressed is that a disciple is not above his master. Mm-hmm. And so you think, well, then if the, whatever they did to Jesus is also, I should expect that same thing to happen to me. And Jesus always laid everything on the line when he helped people or showed compassion to people and ultimately laid his life on the line uh, to show compassion to the world. Uh, and, you know, it, it, there's so many instances where Jesus was tired and exhausted and then the multitude showed up and he didn't send them away. He he just went on tired and exhausted and ministered to him. There were times when the disciples were like, "We're tired and exhausted. Let's send everybody away." And he'd be like, "Nope, we're going to feed everybody and uh, take care of everybody." But uh, and then over and over, he just exemplified that uh, that it was about giving up of yourself. And it's like if if that is what my master did and showed me, then that's the same way I should. Uh, same way I should be, and I should expect the same result, to ultimately be rejected and, and crucified uh, for the things that we are doing, uh, because that that suffering, that difficulty in, in showing compassion, it's not that we should be afraid of it, it's that we should expect it. Uh, it's, it's ultimately... Um, is going to happen, and I, and I think one of the things I wrote down in my in my journal was that you know the enemy he beats us like a dog mm-hmm. <laughs> when we do good things just to make us not want to do good things again, right. and and so we become that that wounded animal kind of thing where uh, yeah I, I remember 
uh, we had a, a dog, I, I think of that expression, because there was a stray dog that would come in our yard, and, and you'd go to help, help it, and it would always cower in fear whenever you come to it. And I think, that dog's been beaten by somebody. It's been abused. That's why it's so afraid, and so forth. And I think we are like that. I think we, we get into a situation where we cower or shy away from it just because it's been – and we don't even give examples. Yeah, every time I've tried to do that, something bad has turned out, or every time I've ever done that, something negative happened. And it's like Jesus is saying, yeah, me too. <laughs> that's just how that's, it goes. That's how it goes. So go do it anyway. And uh, and that's why he said, you know, if, if uh, and he was talking and giving examples of the Roman government. He said, you know, when, you know, these people that you hate and abuse you horribly when they ask you to go a mile and you hate going that mile and you hate do, carrying their stuff for a mile, which was the law. He said, go two miles. Uh, and he said, you know, when they ask you for your coat, give them a shirt, you know, whatever, or vice versa. But whatever the case, whatever they ask you, what they slap you on the one cheek, turn your other cheek, you know. And we we use those expressions all the time, but putting them in action is is a is a tough is yeah. a tough thing to do because it hurts. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> it hurt the first time yeah. you hit me on the cheek. <laughs> right. I really don't want that second slap. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah it's rough. Cool, cool. Okay, um, last one. I was going to do Proverbs 14.11, and then I looked and realized that that whole time I read chapter 15, so I pulled a Josh. I can't even believe it. So I, I invited, it wasn't even I invited that fault. on myself. You did that on purpose. I did that myself, yeah. <laughs> Mine so, were all accidents. But I had, a, I had a backup, so I'm pulling out my backup. It is also in Luke, though. I was going to avoid it because everyone else is in Luke, but mm. uh, it's just a good week for it. So, guys, go back and read Luke. Luke is awesome. Um, but it's in uh, Luke 11, 8 and 9, and it says, uh, you know, Jesus is talking about um, persistent prayer, right? And mm-hmm. Um, He says in verses 8 and 9, let me find it real quick. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him every... Even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. And so, you know, the, the verse that we put on our mugs is... Asking you, it will be given. Seeking, mm-hmm. you'll find. Knocking, the door will be open. Right. Um, and that's that must that must be a different gospel, uh, because in Luke he really drives home the idea of persistence in prayer. Mm-hmm. Keep asking, keep knocking, and gives that whole story about the friend and his and his other friend. You know, like he keeps bugging him, and and God, what is it? The guy God, God says that multiple times in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like he uses that illustration of somebody really just irritating somebody, mm-hmm. um, and so and God's like, bug me irritate me like make me just have no choice but to answer your request and i don't know i get i'm so impatient a lot of times i'll pray for something and it won't happen and i'll be like well god said guess god said no Mm -hmm. and that's not god's jesus is literally saying bug me to death until i do it and uh and maybe ultimately you know if you're you're praying for somebody and and it doesn't work out or if you're praying for something to happen that's on a time crunch and it doesn't happen then obviously he he told you no right Hmm. but until it's an obvious no, I think he wants you to keep asking. And assuming you're trying to follow his will and that kind of thing, I think persistence, the lack of persistence makes us lose out on a lot hmm. that we don't, that we wouldn't otherwise. So that's yeah. the end of what I had. I, uh, I, I, I had that highlighted also, but I also connected it to another part of the reading we had, mm. which was in Psalm 44, uh, where he says, Awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our body clings to the ground. Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. And I I think, first of all, I connected that psalm to Jesus being asleep in the boat and how the disciples were afraid. But it also connected me to the passage you just shared about that need for persistence, Mm. how the psalmist was saying, God, because that's what it appears. Like, are you sleeping? Yeah. Are you you sleeping in the house? You know, and and God is like, and and you're so right that the appearance is that God is not hearing this. But he says, I mean, Jesus is instructing us that way. He said, just keep knocking, keep knocking. And Mm. that's why he's saying, I will open the door, you know, just don't stop knocking. Just don't stop, yeah. right. Which is, <clears throat> you guys are talking about that. It reminded me of James where another, uh, James 1, where it's talking about asking you shall receive. And it says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given with him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. And that reproach word, that word in the Greek means to rail at something. So like, just like continue, like, just like, 
get on their case about it and all that kind of stuff. And so what it's saying is like that isn't God does not rail us or complain against us. Like he wants us to because he gives them he gives it to them generously because he's a generous he who gives generously to all without reproach it will be given to him. Like man, like we can continually ask him and it's like this is so true. I, um I have this person who I was praying for for the past three years. Um, about their salvation, just knowing they were going through it. And finally this year, a few weeks ago, that person gave their life to Christ. Mm. And it was like years and years and years of prayer for this person, for that person's mother. And it was like my mom had been praying for years and years and years for that person. And to watch it all unfold after, you know, with my mom, 20 plus 30 years of prayer. And finally, after asking, you know, week after week, Mm. month after month, it's happened. And like, that's a blessing that, that waiting period makes us love God even more when it finally happens. And that's, yeah, I just had to share that because mm-hmm. I thought it was just, I mean, really true to what we're speaking of right now. And it's important to emphasize that we are not saying, or, or Jesus is not saying, nor is the word saying that God does sleep or that God is mm-hmm. neglecting right. us or that God is being like, I'm not going to answer unless right. you keep knocking. It's not that he's, he's trying to give us a perspective that it may appear to us that way, mm-hmm. But for us not to give up, because that's right. the thing that the enemy is trying to say. He's trying to get you to quit. He's trying. The circumstances are such that you're thinking that you're being neglected. But God is God is doing what He is doing. He is at work, accomplishing His will, and and He's just saying, just be patient. That uh, the answer is coming, um, and it's not. And and He has His reason why it's not here at this particular moment because it's not the fullness of time that that God needs. Because He's going to do it in a, in His perfect time mm-hmm. for your for our ultimate good. Uh, and so the, the, it, it, there's many times the Bible gives us these ideas that uh, he says, like a person who is being, uh, you know, a, like a father who doesn't love his children or, for, or, or, or a neglected person or whatever. And But he's not saying God is like that. He's just saying that from our perspective, it may appear that way, but we are never to quit. Yeah. And I love how Daniel, what you just shared comes right after the Lord's prayer when he's saying, Lord, you get all the glory, basically, and your kingdom come, your will be done. And to never, never not bug him about that, which is just really cool. Okay, so uh, my next one is Luke 12, 11 through 12. Um, and this is what it says. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Hmm. Um and I love this. This is um, Christ is um, sending his um, some of his disciples out to to tell the news, and they're you know probably afraid. Lord, what happens? Like if we get killed, what are we gonna do? And Jesus says, Hey, don't be anxious, because in that very hour, the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. And I, I think um, this is just an incredible short little passage about reliance on on the Spirit. Um, and I think that in our Western culture, um, specifically America, there's a massive lack of just emphasis on on spirituality in general. I mean, we look at all these other countries and spirituality, it doesn't matter. I mean, they think of like demons and ghosts and all Mm -hmm. these things. There's just this massive emphasis on spirituality. And here in America, it's like nothing. (laughs) So what is is the, the, whatever, the outcome of that? The Holy Spirit gets overlooked all the time in our culture, which is so, so sad. Um, and I, I think it's just cool to see the power of the Holy Spirit in that very hour. He'll teach you what you need to say as you're on trial. He'll teach you. Right. And I, I found this um, in situations with myself where I have no idea um, how to answer questions like a, a youth. Um, I mean, it's sort of answers, but I, I had, don't have an answer about the situation that we're struggling. And one of them was just really struggling with depression and had no idea what to do. And I'm sitting there like, I don't have the best answer. So I silently in my head prayed like, Lord, please, please tell me what to do because I, I don't know. I don't know how to, how to help this person right now. Cause I haven't been in that situation. Um, and he did. <laughs> and, and he gave me an answer and I walked away thinking, wow, that was a good answer. <laughs> I could have never come up with that on my own. Like there's no way, but I've also been in those situations I remember a few years ago, someone was asking me basically the same question, and I gave them some answer that I just pulled out of the air. And I was like, that was not a good answer and not helpful to them. And so just, I mean, yeah, like that is, I mean, that is so cool that we have the Spirit of God living inside of us Mm. who's right there with us. And we can say, Lord, I don't have the answer. I don't know, but you do. So, and, and I... So please help me, and he will. And that very hour, that very moment, he right. can give it to you. And that's there, that's beauty, and that's 
something that we miss about the Spirit is that He is there and He's always present. And, and I think that's that's really awesome. And you brought up something important. It's that there isn't just the Holy Spirit. There are spirits of the enemy as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and the Word tells us that we are to test the Spirit. And, yeah. and, to, and, and discernment is just something that's so important to be able to say, is this of God or right. is this of the enemy? Mm-hmm. Is the Word that's right in my, mouth, in my mind right now, is that that's why being familiar with what God's Word yep. says, it will what the Spirit of God says will always be in agreement with what the Word right. communicates. It won't, it won't go outside of that, which is why Jesus, when he was responding to the enemy, would always just use the Word of God right. uh, because it was easy. I mean, that's you know that's uh, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then when the enemy would come mm-hmm. with a verse and twist it, then he would respond with a with another passage to say, right. "Well, you've contorted that, so I'm going to show you how you've contorted it." Uh, and uh, the but you're right. Being in Western culture, I encounter so many Christians who are so handicapped because they do not understand or or appreciate the supernatural nature yeah. of everything that we believe. When you go overseas, it's much easier because right. people are like they're massively into spirit, yeah. uh, the spiritual realm, and have no issue at all thinking of things uh, in a nonlinear fashion sometimes. But the uh, the and that's why I think many other um, many other denominations that are more spirit focused are being more successful overseas than mm-hmm. than our denomination and and our our thinking because we have such a westernized yeah. uh, idea of thinking and not that I don't appreciate our logical rational thinking right. and study and 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 adherence to the word because I think that's important but Cuz you need both. You need, you both. need both. Exactly, but yeah. again that that's discerning of the right. spirit but but we were when I grew up it was the father son and the other guy. Uh, right. and and no, so absolutely. it was and it was because we were so scared mm-hmm. of something that was that was so hard for us to know or understand right. and people were afraid of of a to give people the idea that a being would be inside of you and make you do things that you did not want to do mm-hmm. you know was so fearful and and but to understand that is the whole concept right. of salvation is that I am literally giving up control of my life to someone else mm-hmm. who is more powerful than me and yeah will will do things through me that I don't mm-hmm. anticipate you know right. and so if you say I don't ever want to be out of control well then you've just denied yourself the right. entire experience of uh, being indwelt by the power of the holy spirit and that is the cool thing about the holy spirit is that he doesn't give you some new information you've never heard of, it's usually everything that he's saying is like, hey, right here, it's right in this word, you just overlooked it. You know, and it's a reminder or it's a, at least in my experience, is it, he doesn't give us anything false, (laughs) you know, and and he never would because he's the Holy Spirit. He's completely set apart. He's perfect, just like God the Father and God the Son is because he is God. And that's the cool thing. We can always, like you said, discern what is being said with what the word says, and that's like yeah. you said, and why we need to be familiar and with it. And it's been abused, and we know that. Oh, so yeah, it's absolutely. not that we haven't seen it abused, but that's why you you test and discern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, it's my turn. It is me. This is it. This okay. is it. Proverbs fourteen four uh, says, "Where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox." And it made me immediately think how much, this is a little bit of confession, how difficult people can be sometimes and how much easier life would be if we didn't have people involved. But here's the thing. <laughs> the church wouldn't be so great right. without people. And so, yeah. here, and, and this, is the, this is the thing. I mean, he's, the psalmist is saying that, yeah, of course, if you don't have oxen, you don't have to clean the trough. You don't have to do all the work that goes with having oxen. Mm-hmm. But when you have oxen, you can get a lot of work done. Uh, right. So there's there's a plus side and a and a negative side. And I think it's always important to see the value of of the people that you have around you and the benefit of investing in those relationships. Um, not to call all people oxen, but uh, but there are some people who bring a lot of strength to our lives. And and we sometimes we get carried away with thinking, boy, my life would be better off. I think that's what happens in marriages too. I think in marriages people say my life would be so much easier without this person, which is really a lie of the enemy. Because the reality is, if you just put a little bit of effort into that relationship and invested in it, actually your your life would be much stronger. A lot more would be accomplished through a strong marriage than through a divorce. Uh, and and then because you create that brokenness, and now mm-hmm. and now you're now you've got to deal with the brokenness, you know. And uh, and I think there's so many avenues of life where we, yes, by 
it would be simpler if I just went to Alaska and got a cabin and stayed by myself and lived off the land or whatever and didn't have to worry about it. Uh, and I thought maybe heaven will be like that, but it won't be like that because the thing is, is that God knows that we are strongest in community. We are strongest when we all fit together and we all do our parts and we all use our resources and take advantage of the, um, well, I mean, even us all here together is so much better when we're here together um, than when we are just alone and apart. Uh, but yeah, Josh is high maintenance, and Daniel takes a lot of care. <laughs> but, uh, but but life is better with but them. Here we are right? Right? without them. That's right. We do more together than we do apart. So, uh, so anyway. yeah, I was at a conference and I heard Jordan Coughlin uh, speak, and it was really good. But he said, you know. And he was talking to, you know, it was a bunch of worship leaders, and most of them, probably 90% of them at that conference were at churches this size or smaller, mostly mm-hmm. smaller. And he said, you know, it would be a lot easier if you could just clone yourself and do do everything just yourself. Because, right. you know, as, you know, he was speaking as a musician, um, just, you know, you guys play everything, you can just do everything the way you want, you, you want to, and prob- possibly better than your team right. in some areas. Um, he said, but... That's not what pleases God. Mm. What pleases God, you know, and he was trying to say, like, you may get frustrated with people around you, but it's like the working of the body together is what pleases God, not you doing everything right. by yourself. Um, yeah. So it's, it's that was the, helpful for The me. tempting part is, you talk about the size of our church, the tempting part is the pastors to say, why don't we just keep it like this? Yeah. You know, let's just keep it this size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or why don't we just go to a smaller church where I have less responsibility? Why would we put the effort into trying to get more people to come, knowing Making it that harder. if we get more people to come, it becomes even more mm-hmm. difficult and more people to disciple and uh, and more work to do. And the reason is, is because that's where we're, one, trying to expand the kingdom, trying to increase the work of ministry, trying to reach more people for Christ, mm-hmm. to be more useful to our king. And uh, and we're taking the talents he's given us and trying to multiply those talents, make the most of it, uh, so that we are the fruitful labor. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Or instead of just bearing what we have and waiting for the end to get here. Uh, mm-hmm. And though many days that's tempting. <laughs> well, and that should put us back to what we just talked about with Mary and Martha. Like, yeah. we can't get caught up in that service part of it. And not that those things are bad, but right. man, this is all about the presence of God. And the more people who come... The more people we get to talk to about God, and yeah. they get to experience Him, hopefully. So. I think that's, and I think the church struggles because yeah. the church. Uh, so often we look at it like a house that we're trying to get to a place where yep. we really like it, exact everything yep. exactly the way we want it to be, and just leave it that way. Right. And and you come in and say, here's one thing I'm going to guarantee you: if you want to be a part of a growing church, <clears throat> it will never get to that place. Right. <laughs> it will never get to a place yep. where you can say. We're done, you know, <laughs> and finally we made it. And uh, and so if you're trying to get there, you're going to be very frustrated. Yeah. And and the churches that do get there, they plateau and die. Uh, and and that's you know and and I, I don't you know if that's what you you know obviously I don't think that's what God calls us to do. But uh, if you wonder why you're plateaued or dying, it's because you got it the way you wanted it and you try to keep it that way. Mm. Uh, you. And, and you're not trying to take that hill. Right, exactly. You're not, you're not looking for that next hill to take. You're yeah. not trying to reach new people. Yeah. So anyway, that's cool. circle with Sword. all of our right. devotions. That was good. The circle of life. Oh, all right. Well, on that, we're going to enter it. We got some questions we that do. we're going to hit. So we will come back and hit some of those. All right, we're back. This is a question and answer segment. We have several questions to get through, starting with one that was texted in to us. From Pam Sparks, who we've already named. <gasps> who we mentioned as one of our favorite people. Her, yes, so oh. this is her question. She said, the, uh, in Luke eleven thirty one, it says, The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. And... Um, 
that because Jesus gave us that little text. She said, the question was, who is the queen of the south? Well, Jesus gave us the answer by the little clue at the end of that she came to see Solomon. And if we look back in, I think, First Kings 10 or somewhere in there, the, uh, it was the queen of Shabba. <laughs> I said that because Josh, that's how he pronounces it. But anyway, uh, it's the queen, the queen of Sheba, who everybody else pronounces it that way. But uh, and, and you could be right, Josh. You could quirky. be the queen of Shabba. I, I will now have to look that up and see. I will look it up in Hebrew and see if it's Shabba. Okay. But, um, and if it is, I get ten dollars. Right? Somebody will give you ten dollars. I'm sure. Uh, consider the next time you get a check, oh. and ten dollars of that is for that right answer. Hopefully, uh, but the, <laughs> Queen that. Queen of Sheba uh, is the uh, person, and and Jesus is just pointing out that she and they believe. Just to give you a little historical thing, they believe that Sheba was from Ethiopia, somewhere in Ethiopia, or possibly Yemen. Uh, but uh, but the Jesus just refers to her as the Queen of the South. I guess geographically that would be accurate i'm not looking at a map but the um the idea was is that she came to hear the wisdom of solomon and yet somebody greater than solomon in the person of jesus and they were right there list she traveled all that way to hear that and uh and now here's somebody even greater than solomon and they don't appreciate the wisdom that they're able to receive it is baffling to think that your jesus is right there and you have come ask and you and you spend all your time trying to trip him up on answers you know and trying to catch him in a lie or something like that it's like how stupid they feel now <laughs> um, but uh, i bet they do feel pretty stupid right now <laughs> but uh, but the uh, but anyway Ooh. that's uh, <laughs> yeah but uh, anyway cool okay. all right we got some other questions josh yeah. what about you well it's time to get out of luke because we've been in Luke for a long time. It's about time. And we're about to jump back in. But <laughs> before that, I have some questions about the book of Joshua. Yes. Um, there's so much mass murder mass in murder. the book of Joshua. And so Genesis 6 wasn't enough. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. But, Thank so you. Why, is, why is the book of Joshua so violent? I thought the God we served was just love. Well, and, it only seems violent because we haven't got to the rest of the Old Testament yet. Because I don't think it ever stops. It just right. doesn't. It starts. It doesn't ever end. Uh, the real question is: Is why is it not so violent now? But right. it, yeah. but it is, and uh, it's still we're still in the world of violence. The when you talk about the judgment of God uh, being brought upon people, the it is one of the most troubling aspects of looking in the Old Testament is that God would use nations or people to carry out His judgment in a righteous fashion. It, it, it for some reason, and Daniel highlighted it just now that uh, the flood, when it comes from a natural disaster, uh, and everybody dies, every man, woman, and child dies as a result of that. So for some reason, that is more palatable, which is the reason why we paint scenes of Noah's Ark in nurseries and not <laughs> Joshua's slaughter of Jericho. Right. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't fit in a nursery very well. Uh, but the, the 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 effect is the same. I mean, and from God's perspective, it's just you are ending the life of these people. And the he tells us uh, the wages of sin is death right. and and promises that, promises that judgment is going to come for us, death is going to come for us. How it comes for us is really uh, his prerogative. Uh, the thing that bothers us is when he asks one human to take the life of another human. And then we get re- our sensitivities really get messed up when you think of a human taking the life of a child or taking the life of a family or, or something to that effect. Uh, but uh, the reality is is that uh, he does. And, and that's, it's, it's hard, it messes with our sensibilities. But I think we, we're looking at it from the perspective of that we deserve to live. Yeah. And, and the reality is we don't deserve to live. We deserve right. to die. And, and so he is, uh, he is using these people at that time. I'm grateful very grateful that I don't live during the time of Joshua, mm-hmm. that he is not, that we do not live in that age of where he uses judgment. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring uh, that upon, I mean, he said one point, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, but, it, but the other, but, but he means by that, that he's bringing division to families and so forth and, and creating um, an opportunity. I mean, he creates a hatred of us by us being faithful to God. And now the world is given an opportunity uh, to offer retribution, I guess, against us, and and we're going to see that all the way till Jesus returns. That they will be, uh, they've been persecuting the church. If you think of it like that, we are going to be faithful, mm-hmm. and a result of our faithfulness, because we're following Christ, we're going to get the same thing He got, which is uh, we're incurring death. But all God is doing 
is storing up wrath for mm-hmm. saying, I've given you every opportunity right. to respond to my grace and respond to my love. And I've loved and loved and loved and loved. And all you did was respond with hate. And it culminates in Revelation when Jesus finally comes back and declares war again. And one final war where uh, he finishes what really what Joshua started right. and uh, and will eliminate all those who um, who fought against him uh, all through these ages. And we'll do it in a righteous fashion. Uh, and uh and yeah, and it will, and it will, and then it all comes to an end. Uh, it's uh, there's a lot of other. I'm not going to get into it. But there's a lot of other theological mm-hmm. things that um, that are hard to to sort out. That's why you know when you do those studies, you have we have we are given the grace that we get to look at those things in light of the New Testament, in light of the revelation that Jesus brings to us. Right. And and so uh, don't when you read the Old Testament. Never forget that. Never forget that you're reading things that are being written without the revelation that Christ has given us. So read it yourself with the revelation that Christ has given us through the eyes of Christ, because we know that Jesus is loving. We know that he is compassionate. We know that his desire is grace. We know that his desire is the restoration of mankind and so forth and the redemption of mankind. And so um, so that's uh, we always need to look at things through that lens. Hmm. That's cool. Um, now we're back into Luke. Ooh, <laughs> finally, yeah, finally. <laughs> um, but I just have some questions because there's some weird, some some weird things that Jesus says that are kind of confusing. Um, and this first one is in Luke 12, verse 37, mm-hmm. and it says, "Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them." So, Troy, do I have to stay awake for the rest of my life if I think the Lord's coming back? Do I not get to sleep ever again? <laughs> That's right. You should never go to sleep ever again. Um, the um, that's the case. You may see Jesus sooner than later. Um, uh, the idea is uh, is that to be always be ready for service. There would be. Uh, I mean, he's speaking to people who would understand a cultural um, idea that uh, slaves who are and, and slaves are different in this period of time. These are people who would uh, be. Uh, Basically, indentured servants in a, in a household where they're, they're this is their only way of of having a, me- a place to live, food to eat, and so forth. And so they would submit themselves to a master in order to have these things uh, provided for them, um, because there was no system of welfare or anything that uh, they had to provide for people. So, uh, but he's saying the master leaves that uh, that it would uh, that there could be there were festivals and so forth and things that would need to be taking place and so forth, and they need to be prepared for those things to happen even when the master is away or you come back and they would be prepared and there'd be some type of wrath uh, or punishment involved in that. Uh, so this is something I, I liken it to when my parents said, uh, I want you to do a particular chore or something while I'm away and then I'm coming back. And as soon as they walk in the door, we turn the music way up and we start you know, doing things and tearing things apart and so forth uh, and thinking that we would have time to fix everything the moment we saw them pulling up in the driveway. <laughs> that was unwise uh, <laughs> because we didn't. And then there's going to be wrath involved right uh so he's just saying uh, be alert and uh yeah not that you can't sleep but that you should not go to sleep unless you are prepared uh, you know i think that's a the good word is is that uh the way we sleep peacefully at night knowing that we have done everything we needed to do in order to keep the house in order before we go to bed at night and, and that means our spiritual house that means we've we've lived we've done what god has anticipated us and we lay the rest before him uh and so uh, a productive day leads to a, a peaceful sleep. Awesome. Okay. Yep. So one more question in Luke 12, um, and then I'm done with questions forever. Um, <laughs> but no more questions. We'll yeah. have learned everything. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> we'll be pros. We'll um, have understood Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Last podcast, we're done. <laughs> but um, so Jesus is speaking to the crowds, and he says, hey, when you see a cloud rising, you know it's about to storm. When you feel this wind, you know there's going to be a heat wave. And then he says, but you have no idea what's going on right now. So mm. What is what is he talking about? I'm really... Now I'm I'm going to put you on the spot, Josh, because you said that yeah. as you were reading it that God that you had that revelation moment. Yeah. So tell us. <laughs> so what <laughs> what, what I think, um, and I haven't done a lot of been studying because I really <laughs> just asked this question. But if we look back at what's been happening, God is talking about, hey, I'm here. Look, mm-hmm. I'm better than Solomon. I'm better than Jonah. I am the sign. Well, they don't know how to interpret that Jesus is here, that they know how to interpret there's clouds in the sky, so rain's coming. And so they're, God is right there. Jesus is right there saying, look, this is who I am. And they have no idea right. what's going on. So that's my, my shot at it. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is good. That's exactly uh, exactly what um, uh, you know. He said, and, and I think we see that even today. When when you look to the west, obviously our weather primarily moves from west to east. So when you see clouds coming to the west, it would be typical that rain would be coming. If you understand the concept of the jet stream, it's pretty much that way all over the globe. Um, the um, and and so you see a storm is coming, and so it does. And he says when the south wind is blowing, it's going to be hot. Uh, we also know the same thing. I look outside, uh, very much so here in uh, Jackson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. I, we have flags right outside. When they're blowing, when it's blowing out of the north, it's going to be cold. When it's blowing out of the south, it's going to be warm. Mm-hmm. So those are just things we recognize. And he's saying you're not seeing the obvious signs right. that uh, of all that is coming with the things God has told you to. Uh, and uh, and he's, and that's why he refers to them as hypocrites because God has given us right. some very clear things that um, that we are to be looking at to see uh, where He is at work and, and what He is doing. I, and I think the same is true could be said for us today. Uh, we are very adept at seeing uh, signs of the world. We are very very knowledgeable about how our world works. Right. But we are not uh, very knowledgeable sometimes about how God works, and 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 we were you know we were talking earlier about being useful in our older age and so forth. And God has given us clear principles about how we need to live our life now, and in order to have a productive life later. Uh, yet we don't do those things. We don't do things that are very clear. Uh, there's one thing that I I emphasize over and over and over again, and I, I think that uh, I'm. Uh, just want to say it again because it needs to be emphasized. Jesus summed up the entire Bible, all the law and everything into one command. And that is he told his disciples, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And yet we struggle with so much of, does God want me to do this? Does God want me to do that? And it's like, I just want to look at people and I, want, I just want to tattoo it on my forehead or on mm-hmm. somebody's arm or something and say, hey, just get this right. right. <laughs> just, just do that. You know, it's like, what about this and what about this and what about this and what about this? And I wonder if God likes this and what God likes that. It's like, hey, are you loving people just based on what you know about Jesus? Right. You know, even if you don't know everything about Jesus, if, if you don't have the perfect understanding of Jesus that Josh now has because he doesn't have any more questions, <laughs> if you don't have that perfect understanding, then ask yourself, what, what I do know about Jesus, am I loving people mm. like that? And and that's, that's just start there. And if you are doing that, if, then then he will begin to unfold right. other things that you understand more and more and so forth. But don't don't start thinking, you know, don't ask other. I wonder if this is going to happen. I wonder if Jesus is going to come back there. I wonder if these deeper wonder want this deeper greater understanding of things that are much more harder to figure out if you can't master that because there's no point in it uh, because Jesus. That's why Jesus was trying to make it easy for us. He's saying, he looking at his disciples and saying, hey, I know you're trying to figure out all the elements of the law. Should we boil? A goat in his mother's milk? I don't know. Uh, says we shouldn't. <laughs> Does that still apply? <laughs> you know. And Jesus is like, hey, don't worry about the baby goat. Just love people <laughs> the way I've loved you. You know. And uh, you get that, and you'll be okay. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Good talk. Um, we will see you all next time on Understanding Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415 or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.